Morning. Uh, Our Bible reading is Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 45 until 20, verse 8. And that's page 1054 in your blue Bibles. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it, because all the people hung on his words. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you're doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, My name's Ben. I'm a ministry trainee here at church. Um, Do you pray? and ask for God's help as we come before his word. Lord God, please speak to us by your spirit now. Please show us the Lord Jesus. Please show us afresh this morning how great it is to be able to be his disciple and so that we'll have complete confidence as we follow him. Amen. Uh, Well, I'm quite into DIY at home. Uh, And and one thing I've learned over my, my DIY journey is that it's really important to take pictures before you start doing the work, okay? Uh, so, you know, if you start painting a room or, t- or replace a radiator or something, take a picture of the thing you're doing. Um, recently, I was restoring a door frame in our house. I don't know what the people who lived there before were doing. It was all kind of dented and horrible. Um, and it took literally days of kind of filling and sanding and filling and sanding and painting. Eventually, I got it finished. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, yeah, looks pretty nice. But then got the picture on my phone out and looked at what it was like before. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Oh, before it was all dented and peeling and horrible. Now it's smooth and white and shiny. Oh, brilliant. If you ever come to my house, feel free to compliment the bathroom door frame. It will make my day. Um, You see what's going on there? The, The before picture, it makes you appreciate what you've got now just so much more. And that is kind of what's going on in our passage from Luke this morning. Luke kind of swings his spotlight onto the religious leaders that God's people had before Jesus came along. The the temple elites of Jerusalem, the chief priests, teachers of the law, the elders. And when we get up close with them, we'll see that they are an absolute disaster. Uh, They're self-interested. They don't care a bit about what God wants or what his people need. And so, in fact, these guys need to be swept away and replaced with someone new, Jesus. Uh, And Luke is going to show us how how Jesus and his way are just so much better than what came before. Uh, So my prayer for us this morning is that as we take a few minutes to stare at the before and after pictures, uh, the temple elites and Jesus, we'll just see how much better Jesus is than the old temple elites 
And so we'll have complete confidence following him, uh, even in the face of powerful people who oppose Jesus. That's where we're going. Uh, now, we're starting a new bit of Luke today. Um, there's a table at the bottom of your notice sheet, uh, just over there, uh, with a reminder of kind of where we're up to in Luke. Um, Jesus, he's just arrived in Jerusalem, the religious capital, uh, after a long journey there, really since chapter 9, so a long journey. Uh, we've just had the famous triumphal entry scene where, you know, he rides a donkey into Jerusalem in chapter 19. Uh, we've actually skipped over that in our sermon series, uh, and we're going to come back to it on Palm Sunday next month. Um, but today, we just got one big point, really. Follow Jesus, not the elites, and then two reasons we get in the passage. Okay? That's where we're going. First then, follow Jesus, not the elites, because they scorned God's mission. Let's jump in at chapter 19, verse 45. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. So Jesus, he's just arrived in Jerusalem, and he heads straight over to the temple. And he sees a bunch of people buying and selling stuff. And we get this famous moment where Jesus drives them all out. You know, it's a familiar passage, but even now, it is surprising, isn't it? Because, like, we don't tend to think of Jesus as getting angry very often. I remember when I was younger, reading this for the first time, I used to think, oh, that's a bit much, isn't it, Jesus? You're getting a bit carried away there, maybe? Uh, Like, he's clearly angry. Uh, Listen to his reason, verse 46. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of robbers. Uh, Now, you can kind of make sense of that on the surface, right? Like, the temple was supposed to be a place for people to pray, but you're using it for other stuff. Like, that's all true, that's correct. But actually, what Jesus says here is so much stronger. Um, That phrase, my house will be a house of prayer, uh, he's actually quoting the Old Testament from Isaiah 56. And Isaiah 56 is describing what the the ultimate God-given mission of the temple should be. So Isaiah says, God's plan is that the temple will be the place where people from all nations all over the world can come to meet God. It's the place to be reconciled to God. That is God's mission for the temple. A mission of cosmic joy and peace and reconciliation. And what's actually happened at the temple? It's been turned into a marketplace. The temple, it's been misused, abused. God has a mission for it, but the mission's been scorned and rejected. Uh, Maybe this helps. Uh, Imagine if during the height of the COVID pandemic, uh, the health secretary came to do um, a tour of, you know, one of the big London hospitals, uh, and he gets there, and to his surprise, the doors are all locked, and there's a bunch of sick people queuing outside. Okay, that's a bit weird. So, you know, he bangs on the door, gets let in, and he realizes to his horror that there's no patients being treated anywhere in the building. And it turns out that for some reason, the hospital bosses have converted the whole building into a Westfield, a shopping centre. So, you know, the operating theatre has been replaced by a Pret. Uh, the x-ray room is now Robert Dias. Intensive care is now a car phone warehouse. Like, what do you think the health secretary's going to do? Seeing a precious hospital going to waste in the middle of a pandemic with hundreds of people ill outside. Uh, who was the health secretary back then? Matt Hancock, right? What's Matt Hancock going to do in that situation? 
Uh, maybe this is getting a bit ridiculous, but you know, I reckon he's going to charge in and turn the tables over, you know, throw the pret sandwiches and croissants on the floor, chuck the iPads being sold out the window. I imagine Matt Hancock bellowing with all his might, you know, this was supposed to be a hospital for the sick, not somewhere to go bargain hunting. Maybe, oh, yeah, enough of that, that's weird. Um, you see the point? The hospital, it was set up with a mission, a mission to help and serve the sick. And that mission was being scorned by the hospital management. Same with the temple in Jerusalem. It was supposed to be the focal point of hope for all nations to come and be reconciled to God. And that mission was being scorned by these sellers turning into a marketplace. So Jesus was rightfully angry. And so he drove them out. And that got him in trouble. So verse 47 Every day, Jesus was teaching at the temple. But the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it, because all the people hung on his words. So at this point, we're introduced to the villains uh, of this whole next bit of Luke, the temple elites, chief priests, teachers of the, teachers of the law, the leaders of the people. Uh, it's clear these guys are the ones who are to blame for what's happened in the temple, yeah? It's happened on their watch. They're in charge. Um, and they are furious with Jesus for having the nerve to do something about it. So they want to kill him. And, and really, that is the heartbeat of chapter 20 of Luke. These temple elites, they just hate this guy Jesus who's turned up, uh, and now they desperately just want to kill him by any means possible. And let me ask you... Um, at this stage in the story, who do you prefer? Jesus or these temple elites? Because, you know, on the one hand, you've got the elites. They had a mission to do, uh, making the temple a place where people from all nations could come and meet God. But they scorned that mission, turning it into a marketplace. And then as soon as Jesus turns up to condemn them, rather than realizing they've messed up and repenting, they just decide all they can do is kill the threat. So that's the elites. And then on the other hand, you've got Jesus, who is so passionate and laser-focused on God's mission, he'll do whatever it takes to get it back on track, even if it means that his own life is now in danger. I think this is really beautiful. Um, did you notice that Jesus, he then starts going to the temple every day, so start at verse 47. Every day, Jesus was teaching at the temple. Oh, you, know, you could just overlook that sentence. Um, but I think it is a beautiful kind of little picture of the bigger thing that Jesus is doing. He's ripped out the old godless religion of these elites. And he's replaced it with himself. It's just subtle, but you see, I think we're supposed to read this and just think, oh, okay. There's a new teacher in town, a new teacher who's different to this old guard who'd neglected God's mission. Oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe this guy is going to get the mission back on track. Maybe these promises from Isaiah 56, maybe they will come true. Oh, now Jesus is here. Maybe people from all nations really can be reconciled to God. And we know that's true, don't we? Uh, Jesus, he does invite all people to come to him. Uh, 
So if you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, let me tell you, Jesus has the most amazing invitation for you. If you come to Jesus, you can meet God. You can have a perfect personal relationship with God. No matter where you come from, no matter what you've done in the past, that is what Jesus offers. No one else offers that. So with that all in mind, who do you prefer? The old temple elites or Jesus? There's no contest, right? Um, So that was our first reason to follow Jesus. The temple elites, they've scorned God's mission. Uh, Now we're in chapter 20, verses 1 to 8. This kind of conversation between Jesus and the temple elites. Uh, And at first glance, this is quite a boring conversation, I think. Uh, Maybe you thought that as we read it. Because basically it goes, the temple elites ask Jesus a question, Jesus asks them a question, they reply, I don't know. Then Jesus replies, well, I'm not going to answer your question then. You know, it's pretty boring, isn't it, when you, th- when you see it that way. Um, but actually, this conversation is really illuminating. Um, the key verses are verses 5 and 6. Because uh, Luke gives us an x-ray into the heart of these temple elites. And it turns out that these elites, these supposed teachers of God's law, they actually have no interest in obeying God's authority. All they care about is themselves in their own position. Uh, and again, Luke's going to contrast that with Jesus to show us how much better Jesus is. Okay? So that's where we're going. This is our second heading. Um, they rejected God's authority. I think this is a great little story. So verse 1. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. So Jesus, he's in the temple courts, uh, and these elites who we've just learned want Jesus dead, they come up to him to try and trap him uh, into saying something that will get him arrested by the Romans. So verse 2, they say to Jesus, Tell us by what authority you're doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? You see, they're trying to goad him into saying he's the son of God or the Messiah or something that will alarm the Romans and get him arrested. It's okay. I'm intrigued. This is a juicy question. What's Jesus going to say? Well, he answers their question with his own question, uh, a question about John the Baptist. So verse 3, he replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Uh, Guys, just just remind me, uh, you remember that guy, John the Baptist? He was quite a big deal a few years ago. Um, What's your position on him? Was he a prophet sent from God? Or was he just an ordinary bloke shouting a load of nonsense? Can you just clear that up for me, please, guys? Uh, Now, this question is genius, and it completely snookers the temple elites. So, you know, for us on Team Jesus, this is quite fun to read. It's nice watching the baddies get a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? Um, Because they're snookered here. Whatever answer they give will bring disaster for them. Uh, So verse 5. They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? Okay, so they can't say that John's authority came from heaven because everyone standing there knows that these guys had ignored John the Baptist's God-given teaching. So if they say now they recognize John's authority was from God, Jesus will ask them, oh, so why didn't you believe John then? And that, 
that is a question they cannot allow Jesus to ask because then the truth would be exposed. They had no good reason for ignoring John and his message from God. I guess they just saw him as a threat to their own position, their status. So these, these religious leaders, they may look impressive, but inside, they're willfully blind. God's prophet, he turned up, John the Baptist, and they just didn't want to believe him. No good reason. Uh, and so these willfully blind temple elites are snookered. Uh, if they say John really was a prophet, then their rejection of God will be exposed. And if they say he wasn't a prophet, they'll get lynched by the crowd. Now look, there is a correct response to Jesus' question, right? That there is. They could say, oh, Jesus, we believe John the Baptist was sent from heaven. Uh, and we believe he pointed everyone towards you, Jesus. So now we're going to lay aside our authority and follow you from now on, Jesus. They don't say that. Because presumably, they value their own status, their position, much too highly to recognize a prophet of God or, or even the son of God when he turns up. They rejected God's authority. It reminds me a little bit of the post office scandal. You guys heard of this? Um, about 20 years ago, the post office had this uh, new computer system called Horizon, uh, and it turned out to be full of bugs, and it would just completely miscalculate um, the accounts for branches of the post office. You heard this story? Um, and the post office executives, they just did not want to know about this. So like, dozens and then hundreds of postmasters all independently came forward to them and said, guys, something is wrong with this system. It's not adding up. And incredibly, to their disgrace, the post office just covered their ears. And they said, nope, nope, our horizon system is perfectly fine. The reason the accounts aren't adding up must be that you're stealing from us. And they prosecuted their own innocent employees and financially ruined some, even sent some to jail. Because they refused to admit their computer system was buggy. Like, no, 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 our computer system's fine. I don't care how much evidence you give me. They got no interest in justice, no interest in the truth, just complete willful blindness. That's what's going on with these temple elites. Willful blindness. No, 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 no. I don't need to listen to John the Baptist. I'm just going to ignore Jesus. I don't care who they are. I don't care whether they come from God. No interest in the truth. No interest in God's authority. Presumably, they just want to protect their own position. So again, we should ask the question, uh, who sounds better to you, Jesus or the temple elites? Because you've got the temple elites, they don't care about truth, recognizing God's authority. And then we've got Jesus, Israel's true teacher who just outsmarted the smartest people in Jerusalem and exposed their rotten hearts. No contest. And again, just look how Jesus spends his time so the temple elites, they're kind of scheming and plotting to kill their rival. What's Jesus doing while all that's going on? Well, verse one again. Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news. So Jesus, he didn't spend his time plotting to try and catch his opponents out. 
No, he was out in the temple courts among the people. He was telling them the good news, the gospel. This invitation to follow him and be reconciled to God and have your sins forgiven. Which leader sounds better to you? So there you go. We've taken a good look at the before picture. Uh, These elites who led God's people before Jesus. Uh, And man, what a mess. They scorned God's mission. They took the temple, supposed to be the place where people could meet God. They turned it into a shopping center. And they rejected God's authority, that their hearts are hard, their hands are on their ears. They cannot imagine anyone other than themselves being in charge. So maybe now you think, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree, they're not a nice bunch. What difference does that make to my life today? Uh, I think we can push it in a few directions. Here's the first one. Uh, This may be the most tenuous, but I think it's there. Um, This passage says to you and me, don't fear elites who oppose Jesus. Don't fear elites who oppose Jesus. Uh, It is easy for us to look down on these temple elites today, right? Because they're like so obviously the bad guys. Uh, But back then, they carried serious prestige. And so a Christian back then would certainly have thought, oh man, is it really a good idea to follow Jesus rather than the chief priest, teachers of the law and the elders? I mean, you know, they've got the fancy qualifications and the prestige. They've got the temple in Jerusalem uh, and they're all completely opposed to Jesus. Can I really go against all that to follow a crucified carpenter? I think we can feel similar today, right? Our culture's full of celebrities, politicians and that who reject Jesus, who maybe even scorn those who follow him. Oh, that can shake us, can't it? Those people just seem so put together and credible. Uh, I remember back in 2006 when Richard Dawkins published The God Delusion. You remember that book? Uh, and just he was so intelligent and persuasive, and Jesus just seemed a bit weak in comparison. And times like that, it makes you feel out of step, marginalized, a bit foolish. Uh, now, As it happens, that book and its arguments have kind of fallen out of favor, I think, a little bit in secular society. Um, But when we do feel weak and foolish against the powers of society, this passage is really helpful. You see, because it shows us a worked example of someone powerful opposing Jesus who ended up being exposed and brought low. I think that's quite encouraging. You know, be careful with that. I'm not saying that everyone who opposes Jesus today has exactly the same stuff going on in their heart as these leaders back then. You know, that's taken things too far. I'm just saying, don't worry whether you're in step with what the earthly elites tell you. Because the story of Luke's gospel is the mighty brought low and the humble lifted high. So if you stick around with Jesus, that's the direction things will go in the end. In our passage, the mighty religious leaders who oppose Jesus are brought low. So don't be scared of earthly elites who oppose Jesus. It's nothing new. Jesus has seen it all before. That was the first thing. Don't fear elites who oppose Jesus. Uh, And then secondly, beware Christian leaders who reject Jesus. 
Beware Christian leaders who reject Jesus. Um, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the elders in this passage, they're a great reminder to us that it's, it's very easy to outwardly look like you're a faithful religious leader. And all the while, your heart is far from God. You know, wearing the right robes, conducting the right ceremonies, holding a high Christian office, lots of degrees and eloquent words. But all the while, scorning the mission of the church, rejecting the authority of Jesus. There's lots of examples of so-called Christian leaders doing just that, both in the past and today. So beware. Don't blindly follow the religious establishment because they look legitimate. No, be enthralled to Jesus. Test everything you hear from a Christian leader against what Jesus says. Don't fear elites who oppose Jesus. Beware Christian leaders who reject Jesus. Uh, And then finally, be confident in Jesus' new way. Be confident in Jesus' new way. Uh, Luke really wants us to enjoy this picture of Jesus. Shaking things up, bringing a new way, turfing out corrupt, empty religion, exposing the wickedness of its leaders, and replacing all that with the good news of the gospel. Getting God's cosmic mission back on track. Telling the crowds, guys, the king has arrived. If you trust in him, your sins can be forgiven, no matter who you are or where you come from. Oh man, what Jesus brings is so much better than what came before. And be confident in Jesus that he really is the real deal. When Jesus and his message is challenged, even by the most impressive religious opponents, Jesus comes out looking even more like the true teacher of God's people. And his opponents, the religious elites, come out with their rotten hearts exposed. Jesus, he is the real deal. And look, you only have to go forward a little bit in history to see how the story ends. Um, You know, the religious elites, for a while they thought they won. They did eventually manage to get Jesus killed. Uh, But the, the big historical event that hangs over these verses is that one day, Jerusalem and the temple and the religious authority they put so much trust in will be destroyed. This really happened. In AD 70, the Romans invaded Jerusalem and just destroyed it, leveled it to the ground. And all this false religion of the temple and its elites, it was finally destroyed. The religious elites, they were eventually met with judgment. They were brought low. But Jesus, after he was crucified, God raised him from the dead And then Jesus ascended into heaven and and sits on the throne forever. He was lifted high, higher than anybody else. So be confident. If you have your trust in Jesus, you've backed the right horse. And his enemies who scorn God's mission and reject God's authority, they will be brought low, no matter how impressive they look. You don't need to fear impressive elites who oppose Jesus, because No matter how unimpressive you think Jesus might look or you look or your church looks, just stick with Jesus. If you stick with Jesus, you never need to fear what any other authority thinks of you or of him. But he is the real deal. So trust in him. Hang on his words. 
He is the one who fulfills God's mission. He is God's promised king. Let me pray. Lord God, we so easily forget what a wonderful king and saviour we have in Jesus. Please, by your spirit, give us eyes to see him as he really is, to fully realise what a blessing it is to be his follower, to know that by following him we are fully in tune with your mission for the world. Please can that vision of him stick with us this week and give us great confidence in him. And in his name we pray. Amen.